LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Madeline Glea. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry each week. Well, Maddie, we were going to talk about you moving to Piermont, but you've just sort of changed the whole intro. You said, hi, I'm Maddie," and it's G'day. We're an Australian podcast. We say G'day. I know. I thought you were going to pick that up. I, I just feel funny saying G'day. I'm Australian, but I'm Maltese, so, you know. And Maltese both. say hi. Yeah, they, they say something else, but uh, yeah, we'll go with hello. <laughs> well, the one thing's brought to you thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we'd encourage you to check out their network page. There's a bunch of great podcasts, including this one, that you can check out. Check out, in particular, the New Churches Podcast with Ed, Daniel, and Todd Atkins. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing. Five years ago, I planted a church. And we're here with Matt Sparks. Hi, Matt. Hi. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming. That's such a good little title. Five years ago, I planted a church. I mean, how often do you have to roll that one out? Five years ago, well, seven years ago, about seven years ago, I planted a church. Does that that come up regularly in sort of conversation with people? All the time. All the time. Yes. But church plans are very good at rounding up. (laughs) So you call it five, seven. Ten. We had had 80 people there, but it was really 100. 100, yes. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Matt. You went to SMBC. You were the youth pastor at MBM for 10 years. You were my youth pastor for my whole time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so he was, he was a great youth pastor, by the way. And, uh, and you've plant, you planted Anchor Church with your team, and you've been going for seven years. Seven it's years. more accurate seven. than five. And I, I was sharing a story with you, uh, Matt. Matt and I were in, at college together at SMBC, and he and James, I, they were like the godliest blokes. <laughs> They'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning, read their Bibles for like two and a half hours, <laughs> Roll down to you know breakfast. Uh, very impressive. Well, James, James is really impressive. Not true. James <laughs> was impressive. I was. Uh, I think I was basically the same as school at college. Kind of like the kid that shouldn't have you know been there. Got expelled. Got suspended. <laughs> wagged a bit. So James was absolutely that picture that you just. Oh, described. James is amazing. Not, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, can you give us a brief history of Anchor Church? Yeah. Yes, we, we just celebrated our seventh birthday in May this year on Zoom. It was the worst birthday <laughs> we've celebrated in the last seven years. But we planted um, with about 17 people in our two little two-bedroom apartment in Erskineville. Started in January of 2014. We, as, as you mentioned, Maddie, we were sent by uh, MBM, small team of people, nine of them, and most of them were the youth team from MBM. So it took about nine. We gathered another you know, eight or so, team of 17 people, and we started praying in our apartment. Um, and seven years later, we've been through a, a whole plethora of buildings and changes and uh, multiplications and whatnot. So I think I think we're, we're up to our eighth building, maybe, oh, wow. as we speak. So that's the challenge of an inner city planter. Yes, yes. So we went from our living room uh, to the Hive Bar in Erskineville, to the Roxbury, the band room in the Roxbury Theatre in Glebe, and then back to an emerging arts theatre in, in Erskineville, which we were there for 18 months, a great space. And then from there to the factory theatre in Marrickville. And now we're a 
you know, during COVID, a, a multi-site movement of house churches. So, <laughs> uh, looking for a building. So, if anyone knows where we could meet, if anyone would know. like to buy anchor yes, church a building, yeah. go for it. That. Now, you moved to two gatherings as well. When did yes. when did you do that? Yes, that was twenty um, twenty eighteen. We multiplied the two gatherings from one. So, um, bit of a, a growth stimulus for us to try and kick a, a barrier that we were stuck at that two hundred barrier. Yes. So. Pushed to two services um, and saw, yeah, saw church grow. And I think a big part of it was actually just getting the church cranking on something again. Yeah. I, I felt like we'd hit a bit of a, a season where we were just sailing, just drifting. Sails were flapping in the air and we needed something to kick us back into gear. And so the, the launch of a second service was that. Yep. Um, as well as just providing better, better kids program, having people who you know, serve at one, attend the other, mm-hmm. solved a number of problems for us and you you just thought well let's send someone out so that's been your more recent sort of yes. kicking everyone into gear during covid we weren't we weren't sort of struggling enough let's send out a church plant yeah so we funny we, we we cast vision for planting a church on day one so the very first sunday we're going to plant churches and it took us seven years to get there so yeah so just last month we commissioned our first church plant so um Arnado santiago his wife and a small team of about 30 are planting in southwest sydney uh, that was delayed because of COVID, but we've we've decided that the team is ready, and it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that we sent them. So we commissioned them on the 18th, and um, they start in the new year. It's exciting. I, yeah. can, I can remember being at your launch sort of gathering. You know, mm-hmm. we were doing a whole bunch of support raising and talking about the 4.8 million people in Sydney yes. and the need for churches all That's across it. Sydney. Yeah. So, so looking back on all that, what's been the most joyful part? Yeah, I mean, there's a heap that's joyful. I, I think for me, um, seeing the, the baptisms, they're, they're, they're the best things. So for me, that's the vision with legs on it. You know, that's that's what we want to see happen. So we've um, we've had the joy of baptizing people in the most iconic rock venues in Sydney. So <laughs> we've baptized people at Factory multiple times. We've ba- we actually had a baptism last year, this time last year, in the laneway behind the Enmore Theatre in Newtown. So mm. literally we had to stop cars from driving down the laneway because we had 250 people just spilled out onto the road as we baptised people. We baptised people at the um, at the Metro Theatre and, uh, you know, they, they had to send their building owners in to check if the baptism pool wasn't too heavy because they, they thought it was going to fall through the floor at, yeah. the, at the venue. But uh, baptisms definitely for me are the highlight. Um mm. I think the very first one we had was a guy called Jack who we met on the streets in Summerhill as we served chili hot chocolate in the middle of winter. And Jack was really intrigued by who we were, had hot chocolate, asked if we could hang out and pack up, was invited out for pizza, joined the gospel community, um, attended the Francis Chan event a number of years ago <laughs> at, at Technology Park and yep. gave his life to Jesus. And he was our first wow. baptism. So yeah. For me, that was like the dream come true is seeing guys like Jack get baptised and uh, and be discipled. Yeah, highlight, massive one. And uh, that's awesome. Do you know roughly how many baptisms you've had? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no worries. Think of <laughs> all the things to measure as a metric, we would know that figure. Um, I don't, and I don't because it's not a staggeringly large number. It's just because we've not done a very good yeah. job of tracking the metric. So. Yes. No, that's awesome anyway. Yes. So mental note for church plans that it track it and, you know, record <laughs> yes. it, remember it. Yes. No. And uh, what's been a hard part? 
There's a lot. And and to be honest with you, there's a lot um, that's hard about church planting that's actually not unique to church planting. It's just because ministry is hard. People's lives are messy. Um, we've had the unique challenge of being a, a church plant that has had no fixed venue. And so we have, uh, you know, a last-minute venue change. that our, our operators will say, hey, we're moving into Enmore Theatre on Sunday and it's Thursday afternoon. And so we scramble for, to do a venue change in the comms. So that, that's a, a unique challenge to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think personally, probably the, the most difficult thing is actually leading myself. Um, I think I, I realized that um, that conflict was something that I, I was very adapted at avoiding. Um, and through the process of church planning, I think God really shone a light on that shadow side of my, of my leadership. Um, and so that was like a personally painful thing to have to deal with. Um, and the counselor that I was talking to about it, Said, she promised me, she said, this will be revival for you if you deal with this. And I was like, no, I know what revival is. Revival <laughs> is like people coming to faith in their droves. And um, and it was. It actually was personal revival for me. But it was the most difficult season of my leadership that I've ever had to walk through, facing my own fear of man that produced conflict-avoiding tendencies in my leadership. Um, and and there's been good fruit that's come from that personally. But who knows, the, the next <laughs> the next band-aid that God wants to rip off in my leadership. So I, I think... Probably the most, the hardest thing about church plan is actually trying to lead myself. Um, so give give some fle- you know flesh to that. So you've you've unpacked a little bit of the co- you know avoiding conflict. Yeah. What makes it hard for your team to work you know to work with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So and I'm sure it's a joy. It is a joy as well. Oh, yeah. You've got a team around you that also uh, you know speak love working with you and speak yes, highly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even just the metrics thing is a good example. You know, like. I'm I'm intuitive a bit, um, a bit bouncy. Like I, I get excited about ideas, and I I never really finish something. I'll be happy with eighty five percent and just move on. And so I think that's very frustrating <laughs> for my team. Um, and I think I I just hate detail. So I love just spending time dreaming about big picture, and then my dreams come crashing down to reality when the team starts asking questions. And is that something you when when did you realise that? Was that you know sort of a couple of years in? You went okay. Um, I probably realised that the, the more um, other team members started to lead uh, as church grew, and the more they stepped up in their leadership, that's when I started to realise it. Because you don't realise it when you're the only leader. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was just me, I'm like, this is great. I can do what I want. <laughs> But as soon as other people start bouncing their ideas off. So in particular, mm. I think um, the person who balances me most on our team is Brad, and he's very detail-oriented. Mm. And so as soon as I share an idea, Brad ask, asks questions, and then we're like, oh, okay. So it's actually beautiful to see um, in action, but I think that's probably frustrating <laughs> <laughs> for Brad in particular, but for, for most of the team, yeah. And I think just um, I'm very much to, to do what's in front of me. So... Um, you know the the what's Steve, Stephen Covey's priority matrix. I really mm-hmm. I really should do that, but um, I just spend all of my time working on the non-urgent things that are right in front of me, um, and I tend to work sporadically and scattered, and and so it's probably well you unhelpful. you tend you, you spend most of your time working on the urgent and the important. What what is that? Hey, opera? So. so you're always running a million know. miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's well, you want to work on the. <laughs> The yes. uh, the important, I'm very the important minute. non-urgent is what those, you want to work on. Important it's a very simple four-box matrix. It's a good thing to, you don't want to put, you don't want to work on the the non-urgent, yes. unimportant stuff. So you there. see why I'm the hardest person. <laughs> I've, I've, I've known that for the last ten years and still haven't implemented it yet. It's a it's yeah. a hard one to implement. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, 
we we thought we'd bring an additional perspective. So we chatted with another uh, five to seven year old church planter. It's, it's a funny phrase, uh, Tim Clemens, who runs Grace City Church in Waterloo, Sydney, and we asked him what he wished he'd known as he started out planting. This is what he said. I think early on, I wish I'd known how to adapt my natural gifting and leadership style towards uh, the particular size church that we were. And so Gary McIntosh has this thing where he talks about how different size churches require different styles of leadership. I think I'm probably uh, slightly more naturally gifted or bent towards leading in a way that's best for a maybe medium or larger size church. And so I think early on, I sometimes led our church of 50 as if we were a church of 500. Now, uh, that was partly because I didn't want to stay as a church of 50. And so I didn't want to build into our church a dependence on me that I'd have to break later. Uh, But at the same time, I probably could have flexed at points and actually leveraged uh, some of the benefits of smallness to uh, help us get to the next level. Okay. Matt, what do you wish you'd known? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I get asked that question a lot and I, I struggle to answer it because I think I actually went into church planting with my eyes open. Mm. I'd been a part of a church planting church at MBM. Uh, I'd been a part of a church plant when I did MTS at my home church in, in West Penn Hills. And I think I knew a lot. So it's probably not what I wish I knew. It's probably what I wish I'd done about what I knew. There's lots of things I knew that I just ignored. Um, and so I think probably the, the biggest one is that um, people are the center of everything we do. Um, and, and I knew that. Obviously, we all, that's why we're in ministry, right? We're about people. But um, being driven, I can very easily just go for a goal and um, think that people are commodities to get there. Mm. And I think that, that um, manifested in viewing pastoral mess as a bit of a distraction to the mission. It took me a while to realize, actually to remember that, that people are our best commodity and that partial mess is the mission. That's what, that's what Jesus calls us to. And, um, and as we deal with that, we're actually helping people realize that transforming power of the gospel in their life and that bleeds out into the mission. So I think that was one. Uh, and then the other one was something I also already knew. Ray always used to say to me, Matt, you, you will always overestimate what you can do in one year and underestimate what you can do in five. And, um, and that's been true, definitely. So we cast vision to be a church planting church. We were going to have 1,000 people in two years and plant two churches by 2020. And <laughs> seven years in, we're just doing church plant number one. So um, that has certainly been true as well. And, and what it does is it just, it's just that sense of expectation. It means that when it doesn't happen, I'm not beating myself up. And, um, and I learn patience and, and learn that God's time is actually better than mine. So it wasn't so much what I wish I knew. It's just that I wish I'd embodied the things that I had already been taught mm. so well by, by those that I'd led under. Uh, it's great to hear you prepared well. You know, you got, you got two, two assessments, not just one. Yes, you got two assessments. But, but are there some things that you wish you didn't know because actually they, they kind of pushed you away from actually making yeah. a decision to plant? I mean, I love that you did all that work because I think it's really important. But there are some things where you just go, oh, this is, this is going to be hard. So anything yeah, stick yeah. out for you? There's probably nothing immediate that comes to mind, but I think sometimes ignorance is just bliss. Yeah. You, can be, you can just overthink stuff, you know. So probably just 
I don't know, everyone said church planning is going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Mm. And there's some truth to that. Um, but it wasn't for us. It was actually joyfully wonderful and good and, and quick. Um, Again, because he, because he, you did the work of getting assessed, having a plan, yeah, 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 building yeah, yeah. the resources, yes. doing doing the prep work. Yeah, sometimes I think you just <laughs> overthink stuff. Yeah, you just just go for it. I <laughs> don't overthink it. Just just go. Hey, this is a long episode, so we've split it into two parts. Be sure to check out part two.